Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Okay, the first night of preseason football is in the books and we are into the weekend now. I wasn't planning on doing a podcast tonight, but you know what? I wanted to do a week or uh, uh, the first slate of games. I just wanted to recap it a little bit, talk about it. Obviously, the big news, Darius Geis, torn ACL. He's going to be lost for the season. It's a shame. And what do you do with the Redskins backfield now? There's Samaj P. Ryan, Rob Kelly. Chris Thompson still has his role, and I don't think that's necessarily going to change any. He might get some more carries. Uh, you know, he's a guy who I think is uh, was safe before at 11 or 12 touches a game potentially, and now maybe another carrier to a game. But I think Rob Kelly's going to eat up a lot of that. Samaj P. Ryan, they'll work in it at, 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 you know, a little bit. I think most people are kind of wondering what kind of role is Rob Kelly going to have or what, or who's going to get the bulk of the carries. Like I said, I think it is going to be Rob Kelly, but I don't expect him to be super fantasy worthy. I think you're going to get maybe a, a decent RB3 with maybe the potential of an RB2, but uh, it doesn't excite me. I don't think the Redskins running game is going to be that great anyway, and it's just a bummer because Geis ripped off that long run, and that's actually the play he got hurt on. So Darius Geis lost for the season. We know that, uh, but there's a lot more to get to. There were a lot of big plays last night. I was um, encouraged to see just a lot of notable plays from you know notable stars and not- notable fantasy-worthy players, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. I just wanted to... Um, uh, recap that kind of stuff and just talk about it. I don't want to overreact and and necessarily say these plays or, or these performances are going to have huge fantasy fantasy implications, but I do think there's some things that we can take away from what happened last night. So let's do that. Let's jump right into it. I don't have any sort of agenda for tonight. It's just me, but I do want to, like I said, I just want to kind of run through what happened last night for the most part. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So Let's talk about the good first, okay? The the good that happened last night, I mentioned there's there was a lot of things. So uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who most people are talking about his little confrontation, whatever you want to call it, with Cam Newton pregame uh, on the field. But let's focus on what happened on the field for Kelvin Benjamin. And he, uh, he had that 25-yard touchdown catch. Um, he actually, it was interesting. I saw the play, and he was kind of engaged with the corner, it wasn't very good coverage. The corner seemed to stumble, and, and really it was kind of an easy release for Benjamin down the left sideline, and it was an easy pitch and catch. Um, but I wanted to talk about Kelvin Benjamin because, look, I think we're going to see this a lot, particularly inside the 20, inside the 25-yard line, just the fact that, hey, they're going to go to him a ton. We mentioned this in other podcasts, but right now he's going his wide receiver 44 non-PPR that's early 10th round, and I I think that's a pretty good, that's a really good value for him. I mean, I think it's a steal because I think you're getting somebody who has low-end wide receiver two upside, I think. The reason I say that is because I am still skeptical about the Bills' offense, and I just think it's not going to be very good, uh, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Um, I have a buddy who's really likes A.J. McCarron. From what I've seen, I, I don't know how I feel about him yet. I uh, just haven't seen a ton on him other than the little bit of time he had in Cincinnati where he spelled Andy Dalton. 
But my point is, I think we're going to see a lot of work for Kevin Benjamin inside the red zone. And I mentioned before, I think he's a guy who certainly has eight or nine touchdown upside. And uh, I, I just worry a little bit about Kelvin Benjamin's volume. I, I don't think he's going to be somebody that catches more than 60, 65 passes. I don't know if he can get to 1,000 yards, but I think he gives you that touchdown upside, which is why I say he has, I think, wide receiver two upside, but I don't think it's necessarily too very strong. If he gets to that those touchdown numbers, that's going to be great, though. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a 71-yard touchdown catch, kind of a nifty play. He went up over uh, Rasul Douglas for the Eagles, high pointed the ball. Douglas looked like he slipped, wasn't able to really jump, get his footing and, and high point with with Smith-Schuster. Um, but this is what we're hoping to see in year two from from Juju is the big playability down the field. We saw it last year at times, and especially towards the end of the year when he started to really come on, and him and Ben formed a connection that was very strong. But again, I, I look back on what I've talked about, and I can't remember which podcast this was, but I talked about the cap on Juju's target share. And if AB, if Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell are healthy for 16 games, I just don't see a scenario where Smith-Schuster is going to get more than 100 or 105 targets. You throw in the fact that they, they drafted James Washington, they they brought back Eli Rogers, uh, Vance McDonald's, Vance McDonald gives them an option at the tight end position that I don't think they've had to this point. They still have Jesse James. I just, look, I think he's still going to be their number three receiver in terms of target share, but I just don't see it that, like, significant. Like, I just don't see how he gets up to 120 targets. I think it's more in the 100, 105 range. If he catches 60% of those, 65% of those, um, you're, you know, you're looking at a guy who's going to catch 60, 65 balls, uh, I would give him, you know, upside of, of maybe 70, 72. But I, I still think he's a guy that can go over 1,000 yards, no question. Um, he's currently going as wide receiver 18 in PPR behind Demaryius Thomas, Amari Cooper, uh, Tyreek Hill, and he's going in front of Golden Tate, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson. Um in a PPR league, I would rather have Golden Tate. I would certainly rather have those three guys that are already going in front of him. I could see a little bit of an argument maybe for Tyreek Hill because he's in a similar situation where I could see him having his numbers coming down a little bit just with the new quarterback and the crowded room. But I would still take him over Juju. Uh, if Josh Gordon is there and he's available for the Browns, I would think I would prefer Josh Gordon just because I believe he's a better talent and if he can play 16 games I would probably it's tough because if we're talking about uh, you know the worry of Josh Gordon missing games you you almost feel like you want to lean Juju and I think I would too just because of that I think that might be the ultimate factor in that decision but Josh Gordon I like his upside more certainly uh, I would Jarvis Landry is a tough one that's close. Allen Robinson's right there, too. Um, I would probably move Juju down maybe just a couple spots. Wide receiver 17 and non-PPR is going in front of Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas, Alshon Jeffrey, Larry Fitzgerald, and Allen Robinson. Um, so, you know, I look, I'm probably not going to get many shares of Juju, if any. Right now he's going in the fourth round, and I just don't necessarily feel extremely comfortable about that. I would much rather have him in the early fifth, and I know I'm not going to get any of that. So 
Okay, let's stick with the good news here and talk about Joe Mixon. Had a nice catch and run last night. It was a little six-yard hitch route on the right sideline. Made the linebacker miss and then had a wicked spin move on Adrian Amos at about the 10-yard line. Ended up taking it into the end zone for a 25-yard touchdown catch from Andy Dalton. I was really impressed with that play in particular. I'm starting to get more excited about Joe Mixon, not just because of that. Um, I think that, you know, last year his elusiveness rating, I think, according to PFF, was absolutely terrible. So that encourages me, that play alone. But it's not just that. I just think that Joe Mixon has everything going for him. He has the opportunity. He should get the workload. I'm expecting 220, 230 plus carries this season. I don't know. I think Gio Bernard gets his 120 carries, but that's probably about it. No more Jeremy Hill there. I don't expect Mark Walton to have a serious impact in year one. I'm just getting more excited about him. I kind of have him in that same tier as like Jordan Howard, um, uh, Jarek McKinnon. I, Darius Geis was kind of in that that fold as well. Derek Henry. Of that next tier, after you get past Leonard Fournette, uh, McCaffrey in a PPR league where I'm I'm safe. Ta- I, I feel okay taking these guys near the end of uh, round two. I would prefer them in early round three. The reason I say that is because if I'm drafting at the end of round two, obviously I had a pick in a snake draft. I had one of the first four picks, first five picks. I'm probably taking one of the big running backs, and I would like to go receiver next, um, rather than saying, "Hey, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to take." David Johnson, and then go Joe Mixon, per se, in a 12-team league or even in a 14-team league. It might be a little bit more of a stretch. Mixon might be gone. Uh, he's definitely not getting back to me in, a th- in the third round in a 14-team league, at least the leagues that I'm playing in. So, look, if you're taking Antonio Brown, say fifth overall, I think Joe Mixon is a nice pairing in round two over somebody like even like A.J. Green. Um T.Y. Hilton, even though I, I certainly prefer those guys most of the time in a PPR league, I don't think that's a terrible play if you go Antonio Brown, then Joe Mixon. I just expect him to return close to RB1 value this year, and I think he has a really, really good shot to be a top 12, top 10 running back, potentially. Um, I would probably lean more towards top 12 just because all the talent at the position, but I still think he has a really good shot, even in that offense, which is going to be bad. Um I just really like his, op- again, the opportunity in the workload this year is just is just there for me. Right now, I still find him, I, I find myself drafting after, um, you know, still find myself drafting him after, uh, like, Gronk, T.Y. Hilton, Evans, Diggs, Fitzy, maybe even Baldwin, um, you know, ahead of him in, in, in PPR leagues. In non-PPR, I'm, I'm much more comfortable taking him as current ADP of 2.08, and like I said, if if a scenario would be if you're going A, B, or Nuke in the first round, I don't think Joe Mixon's a terrible, you know, landing spot there in the second round. If McCaffrey, if Fournette, uh, if all those guys have kind of gone, because again, I like him more than Jarek McKinnon. I like him more than Derrick Henry. Now that Darius Geis is on the shelf, Jordan Howard and Joe Mixon are my next two running backs. Once you get to that point in the draft, how about Saquon Barkley last night? Wow, 39-yard run on his first carry from scrimmage. He only ended with 42 or 44 yards on four carries. So not great after that, but it just you just saw it, right? Extremely patient, had the very nice jump cut to his right. It's kind of a two-hop like jump cut, 
And then he hit the hole and he had that burst around the hash mark. And once he got into that second level, you can just see that speed and explosiveness once he got to the edge. And, I mean, that's another 15, 20 yards that there are a lot of guys who just can't do that. They can't get to that second level. They're staring at that corner, that safety in the face, and then they can just rip it to the outside. And that's what Barkley can do, and that's exactly what he gives you. So I love that from Barkley. He's still going as my number seven running back in PPR. I have Kamara and Dalvin Cook right ahead of him. I have him, though. I have Barkley in front of Kareem Hunt, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Leonard Fordette. Dallas Goddard was somebody who impressed me last night. I had a good chance to watch a a big chunk of the Steelers-Eagles game. He had a 15-yard touchdown catch. He was a big factor in the first half. Four receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. I currently have him as my tight end, 27. Look, there's just a big roadblock there with Zach Ertz as long as Zach Ertz is on the field. And he's if, if you want to talk about tight end handcuffs, which is not normally something I would even mention most of the time, we've seen that situation with Vernon Davis over Jordan Reed in Washington and where that can, you know, how much of a benefit, uh, you know, how much upside Vernon Davis has had in the past in that role. But I think Dallas Goddard is, is one of those guys, even as a rookie, um, you know, he comes in and I, I just see, I saw a lot of good things from him last night. And I thought he, he played really well and Nate Sudfeld was able to find him a lot. Um, he did have one bad drop across the middle, but Hey, that stuff's going to happen. It's your first game in the, in the bigs. And, you know, I, I was just really impressed with Dallas Goddard. I don't know how much value again, he's going to hold with Zach Ertz in front of him. Not somebody that you're currently going to roster, but if Zach Ertz were to get hurt at any point this season, miss any time, he's somebody that I think you should probably keep an eye on. Michael Gallup had a 30 yard touchdown catch from Brad, Dak, Dak Prescott, um, it was a nice, really nice play, actually, by Prescott. He really did most of it. He kind of looked the safety off to the left and then came back to the right to the right and hit Gallup down the right sideline, right in front of the pylon, about a yard or two uh, in front of the pylon, and, and Gallup was, was able to beat Jimmy Ward on the play. Um, look, I think Michael Gallup is just an absolute steal in the 12th round. That's where he's... I've, I've been able to get him most of the time is in that early 12th round, and I really... I just love that because I think he's somebody who has a chance at probably 60 catches um, and, a and you know, 100 targets and 60 catches I think is certainly possible. Uh, Alan Hearns, I think, is somebody who's going to maybe lead them in targets, 110, 115 maybe. And, and I think Beasley is underrated in the fact that I think he's somebody who can creep up there around the 90 target mark, 85, 90 target mark as well. Um, but... I, I think Gallup's going to fit right in in that offense. David Njoku, okay, this is another guy right after Joe Mixon. I think this was probably the second guy that I was really just excited to talk about because I find myself drafting him a ton. And I, dra I find myself drafting him in two scenarios. One is where I take Jordan Reed in like the eighth or ninth round, and then I want somebody who I think just has an absolute ton of upside, and I find myself taking Njoku in rounds between rounds 11 and 13 I find myself getting him a lot in a 12 team and look last night two touchdowns a 41 yarder where he was able to Alec Ogletree came up on him at about the five yard mark and off the line of scrimmage and tried to jam him get his hands on him and Joe Njoku just ran right by him and it was easy pitch and catch after that um, the first one was from Tyrod Taylor the second one was from um, 
Baker Mayfield. And that one was a really nice play by Mayfield, too. He was very patient, waited, 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 threw it to the ba- near the back of the end zone. Um, Joku was kind of coming on a crossing route. He broke off his route and was coming, kind of rolled with. And I like how he went with Mayfield, and he, and he was able to, um, you know, kind of feel where it almost seemed like he was able to feel where Mayfield was going there, kept working to his right, made a very nice contested catch in between two defenders. So that was nice to see. Again, I think that I would be happy with David Njoku as my as my tight end in fantasy right now. I think he's going to be somebody that takes a big, big jump in year two. Um, I have him as my tight end 11 right now. Uh, so that's, you can tell, you know, just how excited I am about him. I think he has a very, very good chance to be a top 12 tight end. Okay, moving to the Packers' backfield. We've talked a lot about this. I want to talk about Jamal Williams. He had an eight-yard touchdown catch last night. Almost dropped it and then was able to put a nice move on Jayon Brown um, and get into the end zone around the four- or five-yard line. He put on a nice juke move to his right, was able to get in. He finished the night with five carries, 16 yards, one reception, eight yards, and a touchdown. So nothing crazy, but I just I'm encouraged that I think that— look. I think this is probably what most people expected. Aaron Jones is suspended the first two games. It's going to be Jamal Williams carrying the load for the first part of the season. But I think the the interesting part is can he can he hold off everybody? Can he hold off Aaron Jones once he gets back and sustain a role throughout the entire season? So I, I still want to see more. And this is this kind of leads me to, you know what I'm looking for next time. And I, and I had a, a few notes here of what I'm looking for next time in the next few games, next preseason games. And that is Jamal Williams. Can he continue to solidify himself as the Packers lead ball carrier? I still think this backfield is going to be successful this year. Right now, I'm still on the side of, I just don't know who it's going to be. Like once Aaron Jones comes back, is it going to be more of a revolving door again? So, Let's keep an eye out on Jamal Williams. Let's see if he can solidify himself as that early down runner for the Packers and uh, really, you know, kind of separate himself in that competition. Jeremy Hill had a one-year touchdown run. I thought he looked great. He's down 10 pounds this season, and I think it showed. 11 carries, 51 yards, two receptions, 14 yards. He made a catch in the third quarter in the right flat, made a guy miss, and then he had, gave a really good stiff arm to get another five yards and pick up uh, about 12 total, 11 or 12 total on the catch. So I just thought he looked quick. I thought he looked light on his feet. He looked good. He looked like a different running back altogether. It's going to come down between him um, him and uh, Mike Gillisley for probably that last roster spot, it looks like. Gillisley wasn't that impressive last night. If I had to bet right now, I think Jeremy Hill's going to get that job. And I think he has a really good shot to get some decent, a decent amount of goal line carries this year too. Even with Rex Burkhead already, they're already talking about him solidifying a goal line work, some goal line work. And I think Jeremy Hill could fit into that as well. Not somebody I'm drafting, but something to keep your eye on. Uh, let's talk about the the Seahawks tight end situation. Nick Vanette had a Nick Vanette had a seven yard touchdown catch. Um, it was a nice play. Russell Wilson stepped to his right to avoid pressure. Vanette worked worked to the back of the corner of the end zone, then actually got in front of his man, worked back to Russell Wilson a little bit. I'm not getting excited about the Seahawks tight end situation. It's kind of like the Cowboys tight end situation, a few of the other ones around the league, uh, the Jets right now, unless Chris Herndon steps up. But the Seahawks are another one where 
I just I'm not drafting anybody here, but I think Nick Vanette is in is an interesting player because I don't know if there's really much in his way with Luke Wilson gone and with Jimmy Graham gone to eat up targets from the tight end position. What that's going to be, I don't know. I think if Brandon Marshall can stay healthy, he's going to have an impact in the red zone. They have a lot of other guys. Doug Baldwin's been a popular target for um, Russell Wilson in the red zone a lot over the past few years. I don't know what kind of role Nick Vanette's going to carve out, but I think it's going to be something. And on bye weeks, you know, in a good matchup, maybe down the road we're talking about him being a fantasy-worthy pickup and a streamer. Okay, talking about some other performances, Nick Chubb, 11 carries, 15 yards, uh, one reception, 12 yards. Not great. Antonio Callaway sticking with that game. Excuse me, three catches on seven targets, 87 yards and a touchdown. And he was Mayfield's favorite target. It was actually pretty impressive. We're just waiting to see if he's going to face a suspension at this point. And, and then Mayfield himself, 11 for 20, 212 yards and two touchdowns. I thought he looked pretty good, hung in there. Was inconsistent at times for sure, but... First game uh, through those two touchdowns, and and I thought he, you know, kind of as advertised, a little bit of a gunslinger, was not afraid to take chances, especially that that throw to Najoku in the back of the end zone. I like that. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but the, the Packers' fifth-round pick from South Florida, five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. That's cool because we're not sure, <clears throat> we mentioned this before, which, which one of those rookie wide receivers for the Packers is going to separate themselves. I think Jamon Moore has the inside track right now to probably have that number four wide receiver role behind uh, Geronimo Allison, who's going to probably be the number three. But then I think it's Valdez Scantling who could be actually that fifth guy. Um, Equinemi St. Brown appears that he might be the, the guy in the long run right now, but it's still a lot more to happen. Okay, let's talk about the bad news now. I already mentioned Darius Geis, so we don't need to talk about that backfield situation anymore. But there's some other bad news, particularly in San Francisco. George Kittle left the game with a shoulder injury. It's been reported that's a separated shoulder now. He will miss several weeks. Something to keep an eye on. He might be out until the start of the regular season. I have George Kittle as my tight end 12 right now. I'm not moving him anywhere at this point. I still think he's a guy who, much like Trey Burton, is somebody that's going to be uh, you know, a starting tight end all season who's kind of, I don't want to say being overlooked, but we have, there's there's hype, but we're not sure what to expect, I guess is what I'm getting at. Same with Trey Burton, uh, same with George Kittle. So we'll see there, but I'm not moving him anywhere at this point. Matt Breida also suffered a shoulder injury in that Niners game. He's expected to be ready for the season opener. And Marlon Mack injured his hamstring. It's good. He's going to miss a few weeks, it seems like. So, Keep an eye on that Colts backfield, people. This opens the door for Jordan Wilkins. It opens the door for Naeem Hines. Now, can those guys go out in in the next few preseason games and impress? Um, I would love to see those rookies take more of a hold of a bigger workload heading into the regular season. And let's talk about a guy who left me wanting a little bit more, and I want to see more in the next few preseason games from this guy, and that's Ronald Jones. He had that two-yard touchdown run, which I thought was really impressive. He looked explosive, had some good vision on that play, and he had a nice cutback at about the five-yard line. He just put his left foot in the ground and and cut up the field hard and got in the end zone. I thought he looked good there. 
Eight carries, nine yards, though, and he took a big backseat to Peyton Barber, it seemed, which is concerning because I find myself drafting Peyton, or Ronald Jones in the fifth round a lot. I'm not backing off of that yet, but maybe we're not going to see 15-plus touches from Ronald Jones per game, at least to start the season. That could change, but I, I just think it's... A, keep an eye on that. Just keep an eye on that situation right now. If you're drafting Ronald Jones in the fourth or the fifth round, um, you know, you don't... Obviously, you don't want to go out taking a guy who, at the end of the day, is going to be splitting work and only be touching the ball, you know, 10 times a game. Um, certainly not somebody you want to take in that spot. And I mentioned about Jamal Williams. That's kind of what I, you know, a guy who I'm, what I'm looking for next time. I'm looking for him to solidify a role as a backers lead ball carrier. Same with Carlos Hyde for Cleveland. I want to see, can he continue to own the Browns early down work? Um, Nick Chubb was not that impressive in his first game, but it, a lot of that, again, was not his fault. The Browns, they, they were getting manhandled up front there by the Giants when he was in the ball game. I think that Carlos Hyde is is got a pretty safe role in that first and second down work. And people are overlooking him from a fantasy perspective, but I still I think he's somebody that's still pretty nice in the sixth round. And honestly, I think he's gonna return he has a good chance to return um some okay RB two value at the end of the season. And then again, which one of the the Packers young receivers is going to step up as that number four role? I think I, I mentioned I think it's going to be Jamon Moore. Um, Valdez Scantley certainly made a case for himself last night, and Saint Brown had four catches for sixty one yards. So that's kind of a you know just a cluster there with those three guys. But again, I think it's something to keep an eye on because if if one of these other Packers receivers goes down. We've seen Devontae Adams have concussion issues. We've seen Randall Cobb have issues staying healthy. And, and then the third receiver, Geronimo Allison, is, again, largely unproven for the most part. So it's it's interesting, and, and you want to keep an eye on that on those three guys because I feel like at some point this season they're going to have a fantasy impact, and you're going to want them on your team when they do. Is David Njoku you know, a potential sleeper at tight end? And I mentioned this before, and I think he is. I, I I told you I had him as my tight end 11 as long as he can avoid the drop issues that we've heard about in camp. He looks the part physically. Can he take that step as a year two tight end? That's something that seems to trouble tight ends a lot. Sometimes they don't figure it out until year three sometimes. So I'm excited about David Njoku and what he can bring to the table. Okay, well, that's all I have right now. I have been watching a little bit of the Falcons game tonight and um, you know a little bit of the Falcons-Jets game, and I thought Sam Darnold looked very good. Isaiah Crowell had a touchdown catch um, that went for about, I think, about 16 or 17 yards there early in the game, and then he ended up leaving with what was believed to be a concussion. That's all I want to report right now on that because I haven't gotten to watch a lot of that game, but I'll go back and watch that film um, you know, a- along with... There's another game tonight too, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but um, but yeah. So I'll uh, we'll probably have another podcast. I think I set one up for Sunday. I don't know what we're talking about yet, but we'll figure that out. And again, just wanted to do a little impromptu one tonight. Give my reaction to what I saw last night. Again, I don't want this to be an overreaction to you know fantasy implications but at the same time there are some things here that we need to still pay attention to and monitor as we head into the season.
so that's all I have for tonight. Again, um, just wanted to say thank you again to everybody. I know I say this every time, but thanks for, for listening to the show. We really appreciate the support. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play Music. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PadTheStats. Until next time, everybody, have a great Friday night. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football, and we'll talk to you later.